DevOps is not just technology. One thing that people have to understand that when they build the teams, especially with pandemic being there and people working remotely, it's important to have a way to communicate with each other and be able to understand uh, what's happening in the environment software delivery management and how their teams are working together. At the end of the day, culture with accountability ownership will help the companies uh, to innovate faster and uh, make sure that team take the responsibility as opposed to one person responsible for everything. I think that's right. Like a lot of times DevOps, people don't realize it's part cultural, part technical, and it's both. You got to kind of embrace, there's a cultural aspect to it. Welcome to Sass and Scotch. I'm TK, founder at Unstoppable. On this podcast, I talk about the two things I love most, SaaS businesses and Lagerville and Scotch. On today's episode, for the first time ever, we have two founders on the call from the same company. I'm super pumped. We have Kumar Chifkula and Chandra Ranganathan, both from Opsera. Guys, welcome to Sass and Scotch. We will also be transparent this time around. It is 4 p.m., which is later on in the day than we usually do it. We're still on drinking scotch because we all have meetings. One of these days, I'll, what I'm probably going to do is just host a giant clubhouse room with everyone that's been on the show and every other SaaS founder. And we'll all drink scotch in the evening and we can do our thing. Maybe that's like how we'll actually get you drinking scotch on the show. I'll, we're going to be talking about Opsera today. You guys are in an interesting intersection of SaaS and DevOps particularly continuous integration, continuous development. And so I'm super excited to have you guys on. I looked at both your backgrounds and both of you guys had stints in Symantec. You guys had stints in Adobe. And then you went into being founders. So maybe each of you can tell me a little bit around how'd you take that plunge and how'd you each get started on Opsera? Thanks for having us here. I'm Chandra Ranganathan, co-founder of Opsera, along with Kumar. We had worked together at Symantec for about uh, five years, during which time we had built a private cloud ground up, expanded that to multi-cloud uh, across Azure, AWS, uh, serving many engineering teams, a uh, large number of engineers. And we ran into the problem of them wanting to use the tools, the different tools that they work with and innovate with, but also finding a way that can accelerate velocity without taking away security, governance, et cetera. And we, built a DevOps automation framework across multi-cloud about five years ago. And that was the inspiration for us to, to create Opsera. So we, our vision at Opsera is to help make software delivery faster, safer, and smarter with a white box approach to DevOps. We do that by offering an orchestration platform that maximizes choice of any CI CD tools with no code automation, and that can address multiple verticals as well. So today customers have invested a lot in engineers, in skills, in training, in tools, they don't want to give up that investment, but as they are continuing to innovate and adding more and more tools in their ecosystem, especially as they're going multi-cloud, they have to find a way to reduce the complexity of doing it themselves. And, and there's a significant imbalance between where they want to get to and the skills that they can find to help them get there. And that's where we are looking to play in with Opsera and our experience at Uber and Symantec and Adobe so we have run infrastructure and DevOps at large scale and built large scale systems at Uber as well in the past. That helps uh, us to enable this transformation for our customers and be part of their transformation journey. 
That's awesome. And maybe Kumar, you can chime in there as well. Like I, I got the pitch. I understand what you guys do, but th there was probably this one conversation where you both looked each other in the eye and said, we got to go start a company that does this. And, and so tell me a little bit, you, we were both smiling. We don't share the video of this, but what was that moment where you both looked at each other in the eye and you know what, we got to go start a company. We're going to go do this. Like, how did that come about? I've been through this uh, process in Adobe. Uh, we went through the creative flow journey and then uh, SaaS uh, migration. I've seen this uh, type of change in the, the engineering uh, side of the equation. I thought it was maybe like culture to Adobe culture and maybe that's how it, an engineering culture, that's how it has been driven that way. So when I joined Symantec and uh, started working with uh, Chandra, as he pointed out, we went through the transformation and the public cloud transformation as well as private cloud build up. We built the entire DevOps tenancy. We've, we were discussing about this one. We ran into a bunch of challenges in talking to the people. It's, a, it's not about technology, right? It's people process technology. And we've seen the problem in all three areas. And uh, it's not the technology that makes the solution, the, make the solution better. It's people that have to adopt and the process have to enable the people to use it in a seamless fashion. There was definitely a couple of aha moments for us. And we felt that, okay, it happened in Adobe, it happened in Symantec and Chandra experienced the same thing in Uber. We said, okay, guys, I think we have to take the solution that we built in both three, all three companies and take it to the other companies that are struggling to build this platform, build a solution and how we can transform the same knowledge and experience to other companies. That was the genesis behind that. And yeah, we, it was a moment that we decided, okay, let's take a plunge and uh, we'll go uh, build a solution. And we built a prototype and got the funding and we jumped into it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, it's funny. I feel like all of us that have been in larger organizations have experienced this. Even, so I, this is probably 10 years ago, I was at Bridgewater, which is a hedge fund. And we were building our own continuous integration infrastructure ourselves. Like it was some hacked together version of PowerShell scripts and, and Team City, I think we were using and to just co coordinate all of this. It's a real problem that exists in every enterprise. And there's also, I, I think there's always this level of pride that happens with developers. Um, we should be able to build this ourselves. Have you guys come across that in your market where you have to tell developers, like, no, there's lots of things you can be building. This is not one of those things. Like we can do it better. Like how does, have you encountered that? Cause that's what I encountered back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. So developers want to, you know, try out new products, try out new tools, innovate, and, and which is a good thing, right? And, and that's what helps them to take software delivery to the next level. But what that also causes is uh, a plethora of tools that are used by not just single development teams, multiple development teams. And, uh, and the choice is what also drives innovation, right? So we want to enable the choice. We want to enable the control that developers have. But at the same time, uh, you also want to have them focus on shipping your core product instead of wasting time or spending a lot of time building and managing tools and pipelines. And, and especially when you have so many tools across your dev ecosystem, how do you enable velocity of provisioning those tools, building those pipelines, getting visibility across that ecosystem in a way that doesn't compromise security, compliance, governance, et cetera. Right? And that is where we come in by enabling that platform that doesn't take away choice, but also gives you the no-code automation end-to-end. -end. And, and today in, in companies, there are uh, DevOps being used for a variety of use cases, right? all the way from software engineering to infrastructure engineering to even SaaS automation, SaaS applications, there's so much custom development on SaaS. How do you do the release automation for that? So we believe strongly that we can be this enabler that can address, help address all those use cases uh, without taking away choice, but also enabling automation. Yeah, 
No, that, that sounds awesome. So you had the thesis, you got into it. I think you guys are in year one going into year two, it sounds like. And how much of your initial idea has proven out to be true? How much of it has been humbling? How much of it has been like, oh, wow, this is, we totally didn't think about this. Like what's been the, what's been the journey for you guys as you navigated towards this like Shawshank crawl to product market fit? We, let, let's talk about the, what we discovered as part of the process, right? So we knew walking into it because we both have industry knowledge and experience and we've seen this problem across three different fortune 500 companies and it's just a matter of like how do we take this into a more of a solution where people customer can other customers can get benefited from there right so in doing so we also before while we're building the product we talked to about 130 to 135 CISOs and CAOs and from the industry colleagues that we have and the connections that we have we're fortunate enough to be part of the, the great circle and network that we both have so that helped us to shape the product and uh, to build the product Yes, there are moments where we felt that, okay, we didn't expect that, that some of the areas like in, in the infrastructure engineering, the way the adoption is going right now with Terraform and the way the code is coming out, Ansible, a bunch of other things, uh, mm. and how the teams are adopting the infrastructure as a core in a big way with respect to digital transformation cloud, that definitely opened up the channel for us. And along with us, another one is SaaS applications, like for example, like SFDC, uh, which is Salesforce and uh, your snowflakes of the world, work days of the world, service of the world. So today they come in a SaaS model, SaaS uh, service model, but there is a packaged up deployment that a lot of custom development happens on top of it. And people have to move the metadata and packages on top of it. So how do you do that? Because how do you do that in a seamless fashion? That is another aha moment for us. So combination of what we offer in SDLC along with SaaS applications, infrastructure engineering, that created a sweet spot for us. And we're still going to test it out the market few in a few more months, but we see the patterns and architectural aspects are emerging uh, based on our current customer base, our interactions, and POV customers that we went, we, we completed. Yeah, and, and just to add, we were founded in Jan 2020. Who knew that COVID was <laughs> from then? What a great time to start a company. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, Congratulations. Uh, That's good. Thank you. But, but we have made significant progress in our first years. We, we built our product for the first few months. We had early adopters by May of last year yeah. and we launched and came out of stealth in October. And, and since then we are, we've closed a lot of fortune 100, 500 logos and we have enough traction to start raising our next round, which is where we are. I got to give you guys props because here you are with years just combined. You probably have 25 years of domain knowledge around the space you're in. And yet you still, as Kumar, you mentioned, you still went and talked to 135 CISOs. And that's not an, I see, I meet a lot of founders that are like, don't worry, I got this. I know exactly what they need. I don't need to talk to any of them. Uh, and they don't even have remotely the enough uh, amount of domain knowledge and expertise that you guys have in the space you're going into. Maybe talk a little bit around that. What was that process like? Was that obvious to you guys? How did you do 135 of those? Because I'm not, I'm first of all, congrats on the progress through a global pandemic. But as I think about the domain knowledge you have and the work that you did talking to that many people, I'm not surprised with the amazing traction that you guys have. Yeah, so it's not just CISOs, but also primarily DevOps leaders who typically roll into CIOs and CTOs. And we come from that background where we've been in the middle of engineering, in the middle of IT leadership, and we've been part of large conferences, panels that we've participated in ourselves. So yes, we have our idea of the pain points we went through, how we solve for it, and how we think about that world. So this is also about validating whether those pain points are shared and whether the concerns around visibility, around velocity are shared. And 
we, we wanted to find common themes and common patterns uh, around it so we can come up with a solution uh, that can be standardized enough, but also address various use cases right, uh, across tools and so on. And, and the whole, and we found uh, a lot of alignment in terms of the journey we went through and, and the problems others are facing, which even validated to Kumar's point, our decision to let's just get out and work on this now. It's a process, right? We also have a strong advisory group that helps us and also keeps us honest. And uh, one is our channels and our network. And uh, we also leverage our advisory uh, for panel that we have to reach out to the, some of the people that we have not uh, reached out otherwise. So we, we got some interesting insights and uh, a couple of insights will nuggets, we'll put it out there for uh, other audience benefit. About 74% of the, 70% of the people, they care about the agility and velocity and they want to make sure that uh, agility velocity is not compromised from CTO perspective. And CAO and CISO perspective, they want 90% of the people, they want the governance and make sure that security quality is very critical and not just shipping the code into production, make sure that it's done and you don't want to uh, find an issue after the fact. And you want, how do you be proactive about it? And how do you ensure the best practices been incorporated, but not take away agility from the equation? So it, it's definitely like resonated with uh, what we thought about it. And also they helped us tweak the, some of the things that we have. And uh, we came up with thesis and then the pitch. Yeah. Even for, you mentioned that enterprises, Fortune 500s were probably your biggest customers. And that makes sense. But even when I think about SaaS businesses, you know, like for you guys at your stage, for some of the audience that maybe are at 5 million, 10 million, 20 million ARR, I consider all this early stage, the last remaining moat, the last remaining competitive differentiator that truly exists in SaaS today is agility and engineering and quality and engineering. That's it, I feel like. And so tools like yours are almost like the last frontier of what you can adopt because it, you're going to get a competitor. You're gonna, it's going to be a two-horse race. And the only way you can really compete is if your engineering team continues to make the product better and better, faster and faster with quality and features and innovation. That's it. The marketing can't compensate anymore because people can just leave the next month if your product's not keeping up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And also at that stage, you, ha you have to be very careful with every dollar you have and put it uh, on your product, right? Not on overhead of building tools and pipelines. You can't afford to have large DevOps teams at that stage. So yes, the, what we do can help provision platforms, tools, at you know, choice of your tools, choice of your cloud, and build pipelines dynamically very easily in, in minutes and, or hours compared to the weeks it normally takes. So we absolutely have that as a potential target market or segment as well. In fact, we use some of those smaller players for the initial value propositions, adopter, POVs, et cetera. But we've been uh, focused on the medium to large enterprises at this stage to get to the traction we need so that we can start scaling. And, and, and that's where they have large multiple engineering teams with multiple tools and they don't know how to now scale as they are going multi-cloud and they want to get competitive advantage. Uh, we see a very good fit now, uh, but uh, that said, I think we absolutely have the op opportunity over time to also have a version that will be much more meaningful for the smaller companies and, and roll that out as we scale for sure. Yeah, it, it's interesting. When you think about multi-cloud, I was reading this stat, I think it's right. Like uh, Microsoft Azure added $10 billion of revenues in 2020. And that's not because AWS lost a lot of business or Google Cloud. Like they just added 10 billion. And it just goes to show just how big the cloud compute market is and just how big it is where companies will likely have private cloud 
and multiple public clouds because they don't want to over-index on one provider. I'd imagine, is, is that something that drives your business right now where more enterprises are thinking about multi-cloud and private and public and the complexities around all of that? Yeah, I, I think that helps. Basically, that in, 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 it, it's one of the catalysts for us, for sure. Because when whatever they developed in, in the current situation, if they're going to go to digital, people are going to digital transformation, going to adopt a multi-cloud, the things they developed four years back, five years back, not going to scale anymore. And they have to think differently. They have to adopt differently. So that definitely will help. And also when you go to multi-cloud, you don't want to have a five different solutions or three different solutions sitting there in all the pockets, right? You want to make sure that you have a common single pane of glass where you can do the, all the, you can be able to provision the tools, build the pipelines, get the visibility and be able to see it and manage it and govern it. So it's important. And if you don't know what you have, it's hard to measure the quality, secure your environment as well. We'll give you the visibility. We'll also help improve the agility and velocity. So it definitely helps. It's one of the catalysts, but I think in general, the adoption in the market and especially with software delivery and then everything is becoming code now with digital transformation, that definitely is a big, big catalyst before, you were, before COVID. And we saw the opportunity, COVID also helped us accelerate a bit. Yeah. So for a lot of the founders that are listening, what they would, any one of them would love to have either one of you or both of you to, for an hour on, hey, how do we just run our engineering teams better? Now, granted, these are early stage companies that don't have budgets like Fortune 500 companies, but you guys are in a unique position. You have deep experience, what a Ferrari looks like, but you also are like, a lot of the founders that are early stages like operating the Honda Accord. Nothing wrong with the Honda Accord, great car gets you there. But what are two or three principles that you would in, you instilled even in your own engineering teams at an, as an early stage company that are good practice that every single founder should instill in their engineering teams in terms of DevOps, continuous integration, continuous code de deployment, running agility, like, what are three principles you would tell founders today to think about for their engineering teams that it's within reach for them, maybe uses their product, but is important to have that agility? Yeah, let me take a crack at it. I'm sure Kumar will have three more things to add. <laughs> Great. But, um, I think the, the first is the ability to have choice, but also standardized where you can, right? So that it doesn't become a wild west, but don't, don't box them into an environment that will stifle innovation, right? So that's uh, but choice with standardization. The, the second thing I would say uh, is automation, right? Automate as much as you can because you want to deliver, or do more with less and put all your dollars for what really matters, which is a core product. Uh, and then the last third one I would say is, is measurement and observability. You can't fix what you can't measure or what you can't see. So you need to know exactly what's happening across the ecosystem so you can proactively stay on top of productivity, security, compliance, uh, et cetera. So those are three things uh, I would say that would continue to keep developers motivated with choice and not control not being taken away, but also standardize it enough to govern it better, automate and observe and measure. I think that I don't have much, but I think it's, it's the culture aspect as well. The DevOps is not just so much with technology. One thing that people have to mm -hmm. understand that when they build the teams, especially with pandemic being there and people working remotely, and it's important to have a way to communicate with each other and be able to understand uh, what's happening in the environment software delivery management and how their team, how teams are working together. It's one thing is measuring and whatnot, but also having a leadership and be able to talking to the teams transparently and shared vision, winning together as a, a concept and also instigate like accountability ownership because it's at the end of the day, culture with accountability ownership, having diversified teams and having global teams, that definitely will help us 
help the companies uh, to innovate faster and uh, make sure that team take the responsibility as opposed to one person responsible for everything especially with 10 15 people developers you can't have it, you can't do it all right? you have to it's a collective team have to make it better i'm just talking about the uh, non technical aspects yeah sandra covered the technical aspects no i think that's i think that's right like a lot of times devops people don't realize it's part cultural part technical and it's both you got to kind of embrace there's a cultural aspect to it and then there's a technical implementation of it and and both are important in organizations and, and implementing that early probably has creates a better engineering culture also for startups Absolutely. you guys are going at warp speed which is awesome given the traction and everything one of the things we talk about on this podcast is great saas businesses are built on a great market and then a great product and then having the right go to market you have to split your time on optimizing these things given the stage you're at what what are the big priorities are you thinking is it more of like a feature game right now and building out more of the platform or is it more of a go to market game because the market's clearly proven how do you guys think about that between those three pillars yeah at, at this stage it's about obviously building the product for our early customers finding the product market fit the use cases the patterns the sales cycle the average contract value all of that comes into play uh, at this stage in fact right now kumar focuses on tech i focus on commercial and we back each other up on each of those functions because it's just us driving the show along with an awesome amazing team huge shout out to our upsara team by the way if you're listening or if when you listen rather the go to market is something we've been focused on as well there are two ways for us to go about it top down marketing with the economic buyer route and then the bottoms up developer marketing to scale so we've been to get to the stage that we are in right now we've been focused on the top down approach Uh, we've been focused on working with the you know head of devops and obviously going through uh, pov roi analysis etc to get to the uh, procurement it's been working very well for us and we've also had some campaigns and channels for that uh, it's our own network some sis that we've been working with email campaigns social organic uh, campaigns as well so it's it's helped out really well we think it can get us to 3 to 4x with the same approach and all, along with some tech partnerships and uh, si partnerships etc we are also looking to add ourselves cloud marketplace uh, and establish some more technology partners in parallel we are gearing up for uh, bottom up marketing as well with expanding the developer community rolling out a free trial we have kicked off what we call weekly devops huddles influencer marketing on the dev side so building the bottoms up developer driven community and marketing is something we are looking to do in a big way so we can scale exponentially from where we get to even in the next year Yeah I think one thing I want to just share want to mention last time as well like the previous question we have a world class engineering team and it's a that team is make us look good and obviously having the vision is one thing and having a product ideas and thoughts and that doing the surveys and the bringing the customers but at the end of the day the team that makes the teams make the reality happen without that we have a great team and as chandra pointed out and having the team backing us and with the vision that we have with strategy and the plan that we have I think we feel good about where we are at this point of time. We feel good about for the next year as well. So that's awesome. I I never get to ask this question, but because I, for the first time ever, I have both the co-founders on. I'll ask it. What is the one thing that you both fundamentally disagree on, however respect each other's position on? You put us in the spot right there. <laughs> Come on, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> i think we yeah i think it's good we complement each other in a way because we work together for 7 years and with now 8 years now and chandra knows each other we we, we both know each other strengths and uh, how we can play to each other 
so we try not to get into the soft spots as much as possible there are areas where i need help i'll lean on to chandra and areas where chandra needs help and he will lean on to me that's the been a plan that's the one of the thing that we discussed early on and we try not to hit on the soft spots as much as possible so that's the one area where we can in, uh, not start we avoid talking as much as possible because it's that's not that is not going to yield any results for us for the company as well so yeah yeah and and just to add we certainly not yes men to each other because we have to argue debate in order to get better uh, at at things and it's not just about the two of us we take advice from our advisors our investors our team because it's about what we collectively know it's, we don't know everything as we are learning as we go and it's there are ups and downs and obviously the other founders who've done this before <laughs> will attest and it's about focused on being focused on the bigger picture and and to get to that transformation journey we're on and it's a fun journey uh, there are ups and downs but but it's a journey to to savor for sure yeah that's awesome yeah it it seems like you guys have a good alignment and how to kind of coordinate and stress test opposing ideas which is powerful. So, I want to be respectful of your times. So I want to close on this question. Everyone listening is just like you and I, all of us were all actively doing the Shawshank crawl to the next stage of growth for SaaS businesses. You guys especially came out of a phenomenal first year, which is exciting especially during a global pandemic. What's the one piece of advice each of you would give to a fellow founder just on navigating from a mindset perspective, personal life perspective on being a founder? in this early stage of growing a SaaS business. Yeah, yeah, I just I need yeah, some time yeah. to think. <laughs> See, there are two things I would I would say if if someone has a great idea they they believe in it and they want to and this is something a lot of others have reached out to us as we've started our journey as well is that it's never there's never a good time to start, right? It's never too late. So that's that is one I would say and the second is once you do expect just be ready be relentless expect the ups and downs be relentless but be laser focused on your goal on your belief on your vision and just keep going because you will make a difference and that's something we strongly believe in but there will be there'll be the moments where you feel what did i get into but you have to keep going and keep uh, persisting and relentless and that's how you get to that you can't uh, skip the steps of the ladder to get to the top so i would say keep going that's that would be my perspective yeah i think the last couple of things i think that it's more towards that you need to assemble a good team and then to make sure that they will help you realize the vision second thing is you need to have a mental strength because it just can you will have lots of a lot of lot you have a more downs and ups in the initial stages of the company and the resiliency and mental strength is very important to focus on the goal the only way if you believe in what you do and it will uh, and if you continue to focus on the the goal and the you continue to work with the team and with uh, marching towards the goal that you guys have that we put forward it's easy for us to uh, prevail through the situations otherwise you get into this uh, mode and then where you start questioning it why and you will not you not only wasting time and every day every minute and every hour matters in startup and you cannot uh, stop worrying about something that you control focus on things you can control and worrying stop worrying about things you can control that's awesome and clearly you guys I mean it like you're living it otherwise you wouldn't have had the traction you're already seeing in your after year 1 so Kumar Chandra I want to thank you guys for joining this is awesome I'm so excited for you guys like seriously you're in an amazing space you guys are a great team there's so much amazing things ahead I'm excited for you I want to thank you for joining today Thank you very much. Take care. I really appreciate your time and uh, reaching out to us and having us in the new panel so Yeah absolutely thank- Thank you, TK. Really appreciate the time. Next time we can sit face to face and have the scotch as well. I, yeah. I look forward to that.
If you like this episode, please let us know by tweeting out this episode and mentioning us. There's a link to Kumar's LinkedIn profile and Chandra's LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. So you can connect with them. I encourage you to, you can also check out their website. We'll link to it below. Also check out our SAS and Scotch community. There's a link below. You can go in, comment on this episode. You can like this episode and you can connect with all of us. And lastly, remember everyone needs a strategy for their life and their business. When you are with us, yours is unstoppable. I'm TK and I'll see you in the next episode.